2: Welcome to the coaching show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCollum.
1: Thank you very much, Dick Warren. And sitting right uh, by my side, as she often does, is the world famous Clarice Connolly. Hello. <laughs> Did I wake you? I'm sorry. Uh, Clarice, tell the people who you are and why you're here.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm Clarice Connolly, and I'm here because I love podcasting. I love being on the show and the uh, I was
1: kind of thinking more about coaching (laughs) know. Okay, we've got a big show today. We don't have this kind of show. I know. I'm so excited.
0: Um, So I'm an empowerment coach and you can find me on uh, empoweringwomen.coach I just you noticed I'm missing her yeah. bio. I was like, Oh, I need to find that at the same time yeah, and talk. That would be super good. It's not working. <laughs> All
1: right, here I'll click that. Uh my name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, been a coach for twenty three years. Clarice just starting out how many years? Two, three, seven? Oh,
0: three in June.
1: Three, congratulations. Yes. We are your uh, co host. Clarice is sort of a special guest star co host, uh just temporary if you can't. actually trip. get rid of me. I I think you know why. Can't actually um, <laughs> and uh, what we're g- going to do today, as we do each and every week here on The Coaching Show, is interview some folks so that you get some uh, education, some entertainment, learn something new. Our intention here has been, since our beginning 16, 15, 14 years ago, um, to provide education and entertainment to the coaching community and people committed to the development, the, uh, the evolution of human beings. And we're delighted to be with you each and every week right here on wsradio.com or soon on accomplishmentmedia.com.
0: Yeah, the little um, teaser.
1: Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. you should probably look right here. See, because I already clicked it. Great. Um, what we need you to know, here's something, we're going to talk more about this later, but if you're looking for the world's finest coach training program, go check out Accomplishment Coaching at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Available throughout North America, uh, in person, small groups. It's truly, by any measure, the finest coach training program in the world. Not for everyone, but if you're that kind of person, if you're that kind of looking for that kind of level of uh, support, training, transformation, and uh, development, check it out: accomplishmentcoaching.com. We also want you to know that there are many. It's conference season, and there are many conferences coming up. I myself will be uh, next week at the Conversation Singular Among Masters Plural dot com. Uh, Conversation Among Masters. Conference. We'll be speaking with the likes of Julio Alaya and Cheryl Richardson and others. Um, in addition, there's the Association of Coach Training Organizations conference coming up in June. So if you're a coach trainer or no one, uh, check that out at actoonline.org. Of course, you can always find out your local ICF chapter meetings by going to the ICF website, coachfederation.org. That's coachfederation.org. And um, some of the regional, the, the large Converge conference won't be happening this year. That'll be next year in, where did we say? Prague, Czechoslovakia, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, but there are regional events this year. The ICF Midwest Coaches Conference is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'll be there. Boop, boop. Of course, the uh, uh, Capital Coaches Conference in D.C. Um, and others all around the country. Check it out, coachfederation.org. All right, without further ado.
0: What?
1: Yeah. No, what?
0: Accomplishment Coaching?
1: I did talk about accomplishment. It's like you don't listen. <laughs> you know, coaching is all about listening. Yep. Because <laughs> you were busy looking up Ms. Elaine Bennett. Um, did you do what what I do? It's Elaine Bennett, it's such a lovely name, but don't you kind of feel like you've met someone with that name already?
0: Maybe.
1: Yeah. It's one it's of those classic. Uh, things. She's, she's, uh, her background is as a speech writer in business. But the speech is, it's not like, you know, Joe Blow. It's like for the CEO of Solomon Brothers, right? During the scandal, right? Uh, and then Warren Buffett stepped in, an investor who stepped in to address Solomon Brothers. And uh, then she worked with with Warren Buffett. That's, that's a quick step up to the top, isn't it? An extraordinary writer. Uh, she's also got a lot to say uh, about coaching, about speaking, about making presentations, also what she calls courageous communications. Our delight to welcome to our microphones, Elaine Bennett. Hello, Elaine.
3: Hi, Christopher. Hi, Clarice. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good.
1: Look, Good. look around outside. Where are you today?
3: I am on Cape Cod, which oh. I would normally say beautiful Cape Cod, but spring has not made an appearance here yet. Not, not, not a really long one. All that so. gray is
1: just to keep the tourists away. That's what that's doing there. Yeah. <laughs> it's All
3: doing right. a great job.
1: Well, thank you so much for being with us. So you've been you've been in crisis. You've, you've been around when companies have gone through crisis. You've been around when companies were trying to grow. You've been around when companies were sort of on the back end and maybe not growing anymore. Um, what you, Let's start with how important communication is. Are, are companies making mistakes out there right now in their communications that you can see? Are there, or maybe even political figures, are there people that are sort of blowing it in terms of their communication from your perspective?
3: Well, if we talk about political figures, we will be here all week. So I'll just... 30 minutes, 30 <laughs> minutes. Don't do it. But, you know, I think that um, when you've got an issue... Like, for instance, say you're a large social media company and people get mad at you for... Um, for
1: What you might be doing with their data. For,
3: right, <laughs> yes. So just a hypothetical example. Clear. Um, you need to get out front in it. You can't be cute. You can't say, oh, well, you know, data helps the world. You know, data does help the world, but you want people to give you their data freely and knowing what you're going to do with it, not just freely and not knowing what you're going to do with it. So um, so you got to say, look, we, we blew it. We messed up. We're going to do better. You can't just say we're going to do better. You have to apologize because, you know, you know from your life, apologies are what make make you able to get over the hump of crisis, you know, whether you're having an argument with your partner or, or whether you're you've done something terrible to your clients, your customers, um, you got to say I'm sorry before you can move forward.
1: These hypothetical people you're talking about—sorry, that was a poorly timed swill of my water here. Um, <laughs> these hypothetical people you're talking about did so, and so you think they're on the right track potentially. If, if once you apologize remember to apologize and once you've well, apologized then do you get sort of a free ride do you have to prove to people that you're that you, you have know, veracity you,
3: did, you definitely have to prove to people I mean you know one thing that I learned from working with Warren is that well the reason Warren came to Solomon Brothers was because we had trashed our reputation like in a minute Mm -hmm. and that reputation took decades to build so once you've once you've had some reputational risk you it it's going to take you time to work work up from there and work back to you know back to your clients or your audience's good graces uh and and when you apologize though you have to do it without any sort of what what uh, blogger Josh Burnoff calls weasel words and you know just just really say don't, you know don't try and cl- cloud it in corporate speak don't you know do run it through your legal people but don't let them legalify it up mm-hmm. you know just say we did this, we didn't know, we didn't understand the ramifications, we're sorry, we're, we're working, you know, we want your input on what we can do better.
0: So, I know you do a lot of work with writing and individuals, what would you say are the three biggest mistakes that people, like individual people are making when they're speaking?
3: Uh-huh. Well, one of the one of my biggest pet peeves is when people get up to make a speech, say at a luncheon or a gala, and they start by thanking people. Uh-huh. Because unless you're one of those people who's going to be thanked, you are not going to listen to anything that they say, and you never, ever want to give your audience permission to not listen to you. So I'm not saying don't thank people, but add value to the to the thank you. You know, thank them in the course of the presentation. Um, you know, talk about your if you're a nonprofit, talk about how you you know your food bank is working, and then say you know thank you to Joe and Sally for the donations that they direct to the food bank. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, the other thing is the. The other big mistake is really trying to cram too much into a presentation. I do bad. Me you too. know, it's, people can only absorb so many things. So really, everything that you say after the first point or maybe the second point comes out sounding like Charlie Brown's parents. You know, <laughs> wah, 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 So, so you just want to make one focused point. Tell a story to so that they can get that idea embedded in their brains, because stories are how we how we take in ideas, and then and then leave. And if they want to, um, if they want to know more, they'll invite you back. Clear. If you've got a six point program that you're promoting, do not talk about all six points. Talk about one or two, and then mention the other four. And you can change the two that you talk about with each audience, but do not do not try and get the whole thing in even, you know, and you think, well, if I just say a sentence or two about each one. No, 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 no. It's not a matter of how short you talk about each one. It's a matter of the people cannot retain six things. Mm hmm.
1: That is so important, and I and, know, I, and wow. we've heard that here on the show a lot, right? People are like, "Here are my six points," you know. And by the time they get to six, I've forgotten the first four, right? Right. right. Oh, I
0: didn't the, even think I I mean, not, that too. I mean, not not
1: anybody that's listening, but other people.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's the third one? I think I think Clarice asked you for three big mistakes. I got two: starting by thanking people and trying to cram too much in. Is there a third? She just
3: said Yeah, it's saying that you have three things to say and then not being able to think of a third.
0: Yeah. Yay. <laughs> it goes right into the points so the listeners will now be able to actually take this in because there's only uh, one to two points.
1: A little slow today. I love that. <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay, great. Um uh, one of the things of course, you know, you've had an extraordinary uh, career arc in terms of speech writing and a lot of people that are giving talks that are listening here are not at the, you know, level of a, a don't have their own social media company, right? Yeah. So, what when we're starting out and I think I think especially with coaches, we tend to try and sort of separate ourselves from the last twenty five coaches you've seen speak at this same you know rotary club or yeah. whatever any any tips
3: yeah if you if you are finding yourself telling this having the same message that other people have because, I mean, there are only so many messages in the world, and there are only so many letters in the English language, you're going to have to say some things that other people say, but if you start it, if you ground it in something that is from your experience, then you will always be unique because no one else has had your experience. So, let me give you an example. I'm a big baseball fan. Yay. And... Yay. And I am on a trek around all of the baseball. I want to see a game in all of the parks in North.
1: Carolina. Me too, with my son. Oh, we yeah. I knew I liked to.
3: Well, I'm not trying to do it all at once because that's crazy. But so last year I went down to the to Philadelphia and I saw the Mets play the Phillies. I'm a I'm a Mets fan. Pray um, for me.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry uh, you had sure. to see the Phillies. I apologize <laughs> for them. Okay. That's
3: okay, um, but but so I was sitting. I, I always when I go to a ball a new ballpark, I I always get the best seats I can. So I was right behind home plate, maybe you know five or six rows back, and the, the, this this couple came in after the game had started and the lady they were obviously tourists and they had their Philly swag and the lady was so excited to be sitting in a baseball park and she had one of those cotton bucket hats and every time somebody popped up a foul she would leap up and try and catch the ball in the bucket hat (laughs) and of course you know if you know the laws of physics, when you're sitting right behind home plate, there's a big, tall screen. You mm. are never going to get hit by a foul ball. But so, so it was an impossible quest for her to begin with, and she was always so disappointed when she never caught the ball. And I'm pretty and sure I so, dated her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I got back to my hotel, I realized that that was a fabulous metaphor. For so many things, you could talk about, um, mm. you know, boundless optimism, you could talk right. about disappointment, you could turn that into a story about coaching, you could turn that into a story about business, or, you know, you could tell it as a story about baseball, There's, and that's what I call a story safari, mm. Is when you when you sort of suit up and go out in the world and you and you find find stories that you can bring back and use when you need them.
1: Also, a great but, Beach Boys song. Um, <laughs> sorry, <stories> of
3: Safari.
1: <laughs> nice, <laughs> Elaine. I knew I liked you, and now that I know all this about your baseball and your habits of getting the best seats wherever you go, because I do that too. I'm with you. Yeah. We're BFFs. Okay, um, okay so. One way is to make sure that it's grounded in your experience. Is there yeah. anything else, any trip uh, tips or techniques, or are those things sort of transparent to the audience? If you're like trying to, I don't know, play upbeat music or you know starting with a catchphrase or anything that some of us have tried, Is that stuff work or is it just cheesy?
3: I have been in audiences where it was either one of those, so <laughs> it. it you know, I mean, if you're going to play the upbeat music and then you walk out and you say, hi, I'm Christopher, <laughs> and I'm here it to talk about, you know, um, no music in the world is going to help you there. But also, if you come out and you you, you have the used car salesman demeanor, yeah. hi, that's not going to work either. So I think the best guy. thing to do is to try and connect with your audience. And I don't mean like, hey, is anybody here from Pittsburgh? Um, <laughs> But but just I'm just talk about what where you are at this moment, right? You know, maybe they've been sitting there all day, and you're the you're the twelve o'clock speaker, and the lunch break is coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but but don't just make a joke or make a comment. Try and you you have to add value to the audience with everything you say.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So if you're going to talk about Sitting there waiting for lunch, then say, you know, this may be how some of your managers feel when they're waiting for that report that you need to get to them, or, or you know, use it, use it in some coaching way, right? I tell my people when they're they're anxious for something to channel that into excitement, or I don't know, whatever whatever you're talking about. Mm. Um, you never want to. I mean, a lot of people say start your start your presentation with a joke, okay. and yes, it's awesome if you can get the audience to laugh that's that's fabulous, but it has to be a joke that flows into the the body of your presentation mm. it can't just be you know a duck walked into a bar um, <laughs> so although that can get a laugh see uh, <laughs> I'm simple <laughs> <laughs> So, so, make it a joke about, I, I was, once I, I had a speech to write for a, a gentleman who was British, and he was talking to some people in the transportation industry, mm-hmm. and I found a true story of a, a news report of Prince Charles, when he was a young boy, he wanted to, he was going somewhere with, you know, the Queen, and they took the royal train, and somebody asked him, you know how he liked the journey, and he said, "I would have rather gone on the bus." Um, or, <laughs> right? So that's a great joke for a British man. That's a great story for a British man to start a presentation to the transportation industry with. Oh, uh, I got it. You got it. Mm-hmm. So it's a funny story. It's it. Think of stories rather than jokes, right? Oh. 'Cause jokes can be meaningless, but a story will always and it and and you know, you open your presentation like that, you get the audience to laugh or at least to smile, and then they're they're ready to listen to you to to two of your six points that you're gonna make.
1: Nice. I uh I know that you do a lot of writing and coaching people and training us to write. But I, while we're talking about speeches, speaking and speech writing, I want to ask you, one of the things I notice is that in the few talks that I've given and, and over the years, when I've written them, every once in a while, I write something that I just am so proud of. Right. Uh-huh. Not the whole thing, just like a line yep. or a thought or a way of a turn of a phrase. And I love that so much. And I imagine that you've had thousands of those in your career. Will you, will you share a couple with us? And, and is there something we should do with those? Like, should we make it our catchphrase or our you know, logo? Or should we just respect that we're brilliant and move on with our lives?
3: Well, first of all, when you write something that you're very pleased with, uh, pat yourself on the back because so often writers are in the other camp of, you know, thinking that they're they're terrible. And and that's when you need to remember what Ernest Hemingway said. And he was he was not a bad writer himself. Mm-hmm. But he said all first drafts are manure, except <laughs> he didn't say manure. Um, but but I know I can't I, I will tell you. More than a, a line, um, it's a story again. So I was having to write a speech for a CEO to deliver to a conference on women in business. And I had to, I had to, so so I had him open by talking about uh, an employee. And we'll call her Maria. And she is... Unhappy with the strictures of her job, she's probably you know a Gen Xer when Gen X was starting to enter the workforce. Maybe now she's a Gen Y or whatever Millennial. Um, so she she know that her her job description, her her assignments were very very you know she had to perform the same way every day. They didn't have any flexibility for her to go do something else during the work day. And, and it really weighed on her. And, and every once in a while, and her, her supervisors just didn't understand her, and every once in a while she would just cut out of work and run up to the mountains with her guitar and burst into song because Maria is the heroine of the sound of music. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a speech about using the plot of the sound of music as sort of a business case study. Wow. And and that was, you know, I'd been writing for that client for a while. That's probably not the kind of thing that somebody's going to accept from you if, if it's your oh, first speech for them. But but he was really brave and stuck to it, and, and it actually won an award for the best written speech about diversity um, that mm-hmm. year. Nice job. Um, thank you. But that's the kind of thing that, that sticks with me because it was it was, you know, I was trying to come up with an idea for this speech and I kept having the the song how do you solve a problem like Maria kept going through my head and I kept trying to swat it out. I'm like, I've got to concentrate on this speech. And right. the, like the third time it came back, I was like, oh Maria's a problem. But Maria wasn't a problem. She was a leader. They just didn't see the way she was leading. Oh, beautiful. Um so I'm
0: I'm definitely I love giving speeches. I love speaking I'm more of like stuck on the writing part. I don't know whether it's a performance thing for me, but how do you, how do you think that people can overcome writer's block?
3: Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that writer's block does not exist. <laughs> so, um, really, I have a different word for it, mm-hmm. and your listeners might want to write this down. It's a technical term. I call I call it instead of writer's block. I call it Working, <laughs>
0: um,
3: you know. Sometimes you need to think about stuff. Sometimes things need to marinate. And if you start to pathologize it, then you're gonna you're gonna freeze yourself up. So just recognize it's a natural part of the process, and just keep going. And you know, if you really can't think of anything to write, open up a document and write. I have no idea what to write, and keep writing that until. Until you have an idea. Um, but the other thing, and this is especially important for speeches, although you can use the technique for other things that you write as well. If you get hung up on writing and if your writing sounds much more stilted than your talking, talk. Talk into a voice recorder mm. and then transcribe it and, and clean it up. And then rehearse it, and that's really important to rehearse your speech. People stop that, omit that step a lot. But but talk it out, and that way you will sound normal because you'll sound like you're talking because that's how the speech got created.
1: It's amazing. Uh, I love that notion. I, I'm friends with another coach who's written a lot, and he says, when... I'm writing, it looks like my wife thinks I'm goofing off, he said. Mm-hmm. But when she thinks I'm writing, I'm just typing what <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I've already written during the time that it looked like I was goofing off. So I love that notion that there, what there is to do is to sit down and write. Writer's right. Yep. Um, Writer's write. You've done something called a writing challenge. How does that work?
3: Yeah, I'm getting ready to do another one uh, starting June 4th. So the way you you register... And then you write for 15 minutes a day for the five days of the writing challenge. That's why it's called the 5 by 15 writing challenge. And when you complete your five days of writing at the end of the fifth day, I will donate half your registration fee to a literacy nonprofit.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Where do we go to do that?
3: Well, I've got a page up for the coaching show. Yay. Bennett Inc. Two N's, two T's for Bennett. INK Cause I'm a Writer mm-hmm. dot com slash the coaching show. Great. And when your listeners go there, they can also get a copy of my ebook, Do It Anyway, Tips for Courageous Communications.
1: That's so generous. Okay, one more time. The the website is Bennett Inc., that's B-E-N-N-E-T-T I-N-K dot com. BennettInc.com, and then forward slash The Coaching Show. And A, you can register for the writing challenge. The five-day writing challenge starts on June 4th. But if you write for 15 minutes a day for five days in a row, and she'll donate half of your registration fee to a literacy nonprofit, uh, again, BennettInc.com forward slash The Coaching Show. And you can get a free copy of her ebook. Do it anyway. Tips for courageous communication. That's very generous of you. Our time has flown by. We got about 20 (laughs) seconds left. Is there a parting thought or a parting shot you'd like to leave us with, Elaine Bennett?
3: The best way to write better is to write every day. Oh, that's
0: so good.
1: She's good. That's good, and I thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us from beautiful Cape Cod, even in the gray. Uh, that's Elaine Bennett. You can find out more by going to Bennett B E N N E T T Inc. I N K dot com, all one word, Bennett Inc dot com. And if you forward slash the Coaching Show, you can do your own uh, writing challenge as well as get that free ebook. All right. When we come back, we'll have more of today's edition of the Coaching Show, talking about neuroscience. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now.
2: Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls, "...required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships." Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold, and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Five four eight six eight one three.